Welcome to the Fairfax Church Podcast. We're a community in Fairfax, Virginia, following Jesus. We upload new messages every week, and to learn more about us, visit us at fairfax.cc. Enjoy the message. So as we read through this biblical account of the Christmas story, as we've talked about all this month, we, we discovered that fear played this uh, oversized role, this significant role in each of the main characters uh, in the Christmas narrative. Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth, they, they feared that their prayer, that they were praying for a child would go unanswered. And it was that fear that was kind of driving them. Mary uh, feared that she would not be able to accomplish God's seemingly impossible calling that he had placed on her life. And Joseph feared the uncertainty and the unknown of the future when he found out that his fiancee, Mary, was pregnant. And in the midst of all of those fears, there is this message that just resonates throughout the Christmas narrative, and it's the message, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not because the God of the universe has arrived on the scene, (laughs) is present, is here. Fear not because Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Fear not because hope has literally been born into the world. Like hope has has taken on flesh and has been born into the world. So fear not, fear not, fear not. And fear not is what the angel said to the shepherds as the angel announced Jesus' birth. And Luke in his gospel, very familiar passage, he describes it this way. And there were angels living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were (laughs) terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. The King James Version says, fear not, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared. They appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, we don't know a lot. The text doesn't tell us a lot about the shepherds. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't give any of their names. We don't know what their names are. We don't even know how many shepherds there were. We don't know anything about, like, what their standing was in the community. Really, none of that. But what we do know is that when the angel shows up, they are scared to death. Now, shepherds didn't get easily scared. Uh, In fact, shepherds were pretty much a fearless lot. It kind of went with the territory. It went with the job. It it went with what they had to do every night. Think about it. Their job, particularly at night, was in the middle of the darkness of the night where where there were no, in this day, no uh, lights around. It was just the starlit sky. In the middle of the darkness of the night, they had to watch and care for the flock and guard against wild animals who at any time could come up and 
and ravage the flock. And so these were fearless people. Like these were folks that did not get, a scared, get, get scared easily. If you were easily scared, shepherding was not the job for you. If you were easily scared, shepherding is not the job that you would apply for. But when the angel shows up, they are absolutely terrified. Now, it's easy to read this text and think that the shepherds were scared because, just because an angel showed up. And, and that's understandable because definitely that would freak you out. That would freak me out if an angel shows up, especially in the middle of the night. You're not anticipating any of that. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the darkness of the night, an angel shows up. That would be kind of scary. But it was more than that. The text doesn't just say that an angel showed up. It says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. In other words, God was there in all of his glory, and it terrified them. God was there in all of his glory, and it scared them to death. Now, sometimes the glory of the Lord, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God can be a really, really scary thing because it can bring to the surface areas in our life where we are falling short. It can bring to the surface areas where we know our life is not aligning to God's best for our life. It can bring to the surface flaws. It can bring to the surface Sin, it can bring all of that to the, it can bring to the surface feelings of guilt. All of that can be brought to the surface when we are in the presence of the holiness of God, when we recognize the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. And coming face to face with all of that stuff can be absolutely frightening. Because it can make us like want to run away from God, want to want, run away from the church run away from God, run away from the things of God, run away from thinking about God, just all of that. It can make us want to bury ourselves in our work or our hobbies or in family stuff just so we can ignore God. Not because we're hostile to God, we just don't wanna, we don't wanna face it. We don't wanna deal with it. We don't wanna talk about it. We don't wanna think about all of this. And so we just do as much as we can just to stay busy so we don't have to think about it. And there's no place on the face of the planet where you can stay busier, easier than in the Northern Virginia area, than in the Washington, D.C. area. We just want to stay busy. It can, it can make us not want to think about God or the things of God, all because just like the shepherds, we're terrified of the glory of God, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God. Now look again at how the angel responds to their fear. But the angel said, do not be afraid. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now when the angel says that this baby is Christ the Lord, he's saying a couple things. First of all, Christ was not Jesus' last name. It wasn't like Mary and Joseph Christ and their son Jesus Christ. 
which is sometimes the way that we talk about Jesus Christ, like that was his last name. It wasn't his last name that Jesus was the Christ. And the first thing that the angel is saying is that this baby is the Christ. The word Christ is actually the Greek term for the Hebrew word that meant Messiah, which means that the angels are, the angel is declaring that Jesus is the one who the people of God the Israelites, the Jews, they've been waiting on for all of these centuries. The, the prophets have been prophesying about this Messiah who was going to come and help them with the oppression that they were dealing with. And they've been waiting for this Messiah, this Messiah, this Messiah is going to come. Centuries they've been waiting for this Messiah. And the angel is saying, this baby, this baby that's born in Bethlehem, this is the Messiah. This is the one that you have been waiting for. But secondly, the angel says that this Christ, this Messiah, is also the Lord. That he's not just the Christ, he is Christ the Lord. Now the Greek word there for Lord is kurios. When, and, and when they translated the, the Hebrew scripture, the Old Testament, into Greek, into, you know, that was the second or third century that they did that and that translation of the Hebrew into Greek was called the Septuagint and whenever they uh, came across the name Yahweh whenever the name Yahweh which was the covenant name of God whenever that showed up it was translated as curious it was translated as Lord so when the angel tells the shepherds that this baby that's born in Bethlehem is Christ the Lord Christ the curious The angel is declaring that this baby is not just the Messiah. He's not just the one that they've been waiting for for all of these years, all of these centuries, the one they've been anticipating that he would come. He is declaring, the angel is declaring that this baby is God himself. And that's the reason that they don't have to be afraid. The reason they don't have to be afraid is because the God of the universe, this holy God, this righteous God, this pure God, This God where the glory of his presence can bring so much fear and can be so terrifying. This God has come near. This God has taken on flesh and has actually entered into our mess. Entered into our world. Entered into our brokenness. This God has come close. But the angel not only declares that this newborn baby is Christ the Lord... The angel also declares that this baby is the savior of the world. He's going to take all of our sins, all of the areas where we've fallen short, all of the areas where our life has not aligned with God's desire and God's best for our lives, all of our sins, all of that. He is going to take all of that and put all that on his shoulders and he's going to die on a cross to pay for those sins. Which means that the shepherds don't have to be afraid. And it means that just like the shepherds, we don't have to be afraid. Like we don't have to run away from God just because of our sin. We don't have to run away from God just because we're dealing with brokenness. We don't have to run away from God just because our lives have gotten messy. We don't have to run away from God just because our life has not been aligning with God's best for our lives, that we don't have to run away from God. Actually, we can run toward God. 
Like the shepherds, we too can go to Bethlehem. Like the shepherds, we too can go to the manger. That we can find life in the Savior. We can find forgiveness in the Savior. We can find courage in the Savior. We can find hope in the Savior. Many of you are uh, maybe familiar with um, a little short animated movie uh, that was created by Charles Schultz that is called A Charlie Brown Christmas. And uh, some of you are very familiar with it. You've seen it like lots and lots of times. Uh, Those of you who are under 30, Google it and you can find out all about A Charlie Brown Christmas. Like I say, it's an animated, short animated movie created by Charles Schultz who was the creator of the Peanuts uh, comic strip. And A Charlie Brown Christmas came out in 1965, uh, 58 years ago. And it's been continuously broadcast where we could watch it, people could watch it. It says something about the impact of it. Like it's been continuously viewed for 58 years. 56 years on broadcast TV where you could watch it for free. And then... Apple bought it, and now you can pay to watch it. So, but for 58 years, this little animated movie has run, and it's one of the most watched Christmas movies of all time, certainly the most watched animated Christmas movie of all time. Now, Charles Schultz uh, passed away in 2000, and, uh, but Maybe some of you know something about him. Maybe some of you don't know anything about Charles Schultz, but Charles Schultz, who was the creator of this comic strip and the creator, obviously, of a Charlie Brown Christmas, he grew up in the church. And in fact, as a young adult, after he was done with college, he attended a Church of God congregation, the denomination that we're a part of, the movement that we're a part of. And later on, he collaborated with the Church of God on a couple of significant projects. Uh, Schultz definitely loved to weave the gospel into his comic strip. In fact, he wrote a book entitled The Gospel According to Peanuts. Go to check it out. Neat little book. The Gospel According to Peanuts. If you've seen a Charlie Brown, you know that the plot basically revolves around the fact that Charlie Brown is having a hard time getting into the Christmas spirit. And he's kind of bemoaning everything about uh, kind of Christmas. And Lucy finally uh, says to him, uh, Charlie Brown, maybe you should be the director of our group's Christmas play. Because she's hoping that maybe by being the director of the Christmas play that he will get into the Christmas spirit. But it actually has exactly the opposite effect. Like rather than kind of getting into the spirit of Christmas, he now is confronted with the commercialization of Christmas, even among the characters who are in the play, and he just gets to this kind of exasperated, exasperated point where finally Charlie Brown asks, doesn't anyone know what Christmas is all about? And Linus says, comes up, remember Linus, I don't know if you know the character, but Linus is the little character that always has the blue the the blue security blanket that he's holding. Linus comes up to Charlie Brown and Linus says, I know what Christmas is all about. And then Linus walks with his blanket, dragging his blanket behind him. Linus walks to the center of the stage. He gets to the center of the stage and he says, lights please. And they put a spotlight on him and he recites the passage from Luke 2 
that we just read earlier. It's this kind of iconic moment. And when he finishes, he goes to Charlie Brown and he says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Now, apparently, Charles Schultz had to fight to get this scene included in the movie. The powers that be thought that reciting scripture in a movie like this, an animated movie like this, was for kids, was just too blatantly religious and would negatively impact the success of the movie. But Schultz stood his ground, and it was included. And the rest, as they say, was history. It actually ended up being like the iconic moment in the movie. And, and if, you've, if you've watched the little animated short, you, you realize that everything that kind of happens in the story is actually leading up to this iconic moment where Linus reads Luke 2. And everything that happens after it is like looking back to this iconic moment as well. So it kind of becomes the iconic moment of the movie. But there is something else in that, that happens in that moment that is a little more subtle that I've watched the movie a lot of times and until recently I just had not seen. I just had not been aware of it. And it's just easy to miss. If you know anything about the Linus character, you know that the blanket that Linus is always carrying around is this kind of security blanket. In a very real sense, it represents all of Linus's insecurities and his anxieties and his fears. And all of the characters that Charles Schultz wrote into this comic strip, all of them are intended to kind of show all of our human foibles and struggles and things that we deal with in life. And so really as you're looking at the Linus character and his insecurities and his fears and his anxieties, you, you really, it's kind of a mirror reflecting back on the, the person who's watching that, hopefully causing them to reflect on their own insecurities and their own fears and their own anxieties and what that represents, all of that. And in that iconic moment in the movie, Linus walks to the center of the stage, recites this passage, still holding the blanket. But when he gets to the point in the text where the angel says, fear not, he drops the blanket. It's the first time, I think, that the character, and maybe the last time, at least in in that, those early years, the, that the only time that Linus did not have that blue blanket in his hands, didn't, was not carrying that blue blanket. And right at the moment that he says, fear not, he drops the blanket and you can see his hands that are now free of that blanket, which is right right close to him, right on the ground, but is no longer encumbering him. He's no longer holding that blanket. And it, it's such a little interesting scene. And, and for some of you maybe that have never seen uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas, I want you just to get an image of, of what that looked like. So take a look at this. this little tree everything i do turns into a disaster i guess i really don't know what christmas is all about isn't there any 
knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I love that scene, and I love so many things about that scene. I love the fact that he drops the blanket at that point. I love the fact that you can still see the blanket and the blanket is close. It's not like magically this blanket, these insecurities, all of these anxieties have gone away. They're there, but no longer is he encumbered. And it's really clear what Schultz is is doing by having Linus drop his blanket at the very moment that he speaks the words fear not. He's reminding the audience that Jesus is the one, ultimately, Jesus is the one who takes away our fears. That when we come face to face with the glory of the Lord, when we truly encounter Christ the curious, when we, when we truly encounter the Savior who takes away the sins of the world, we no longer have to find our security in other things. You know, what separates us as, as human beings is not that some of us deal with insecurities and fears and anxieties and some of us don't. All of us deal with fears all of us deal with anxieties. All of us deal with insecurities. The, the thing that separates us is where we turn to to find our security in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our insecurities. And one of the things that we're kind of being reminded of here is that our fears and our anxieties, like, like they, never, they never go away, this side of heaven, they never just like magically disappear. They're still there next to us, like on the floor. <laughs> They're still present, but we no longer have to hold them tight. That because of Jesus, we no longer have to carry them. We no longer have to be defined by them. In that moment, for the first time in his life, Linus was not the kid with the blanket. His whole character was Linus was the kid with the blue blanket. But in that moment, Linus is not the kid with the blue blanket. In that moment, Linus was just Linus. Standing there, reminding everyone of what Christmas was all about. Now, like I said, all of us deal with fear. All of us deal with anxieties. All of us deal with insecurities. And most of our fear, most of our insecurities, most of our anxieties are rooted in a brokenness that Jesus came to heal. Sometimes we're afraid of rejection and 
failure because we've become convinced that our self-worth is rooted in our accomplishments and in how people view us and how people think about us. So we become slaves to what people think about us and we become slaves to our accomplishments, to our performance. And usually it's to our most recent performance. So like we can perform well, perform well, perform well, perform well, and then we don't perform well and that's how we define ourselves by our most recent performance. But in Christ, even though the fear of rejection and failure may never completely go away, it doesn't just magically disappear this side of heaven, it is muted by the fact. The fear is muted by the fact that your true identity is not rooted in what people think, in what you have accomplished, in what your performance is like. It is rooted in what God thinks and what he has accomplished for you on the cross. Sometimes we're afraid of the future because we desperately want to control the future. But we can't. We're afraid of bad things happening that are outside of our control. We're afraid that things may not end up going the way that we hoped, that they may not end up going the way that we dreamed that they would go, that life may go a different direction than what we had planned for it to go. But in Christ, those fears, they don't just magically go away, but they are muted by embracing the reality that even though you're not in control, you're in relationship with the one who is. And that will cause you to trust a little more. And that will cause you to worry a little less. Because you know that no matter what happens, you'll be okay. You know that no matter what happens, you will not be alone. You know that no matter what happens, you will not be destroyed. You know that no matter what happens, you still have in Jesus, you still have a bright future. And sometimes we're afraid of death. Because we're afraid of losing all the things that we care about, all the things that we love. And our way of dealing with that fear is just to, generally, is just to not think about it. So we live our lives pretending like we will never die. We live our lives pretending like we are immortal. Oh, we know we're not. And if we're followers of Jesus, we know for sure that that we're not. We understand the realities of death. But emotionally, we live our lives as if we will never die. Emotionally, we live our lives like we are immortal. We live our lives pretending like that is all there is because we all know that if you ignore something, it doesn't exist. Like all we have to do is just pretend, ignore it, don't pay attention to it, don't talk about it, and it doesn't exist. But in Christ, those fears are muted. They don't just magically go away, but they're muted by the fact that not even death itself can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. In Christ, death has lost its power. In Christ, death has lost its finality. In Christ, death has been swallowed up by life. That's the good news that the angel was bringing to the shepherds. And that's the good news that Christmas brings to us. It's the light that penetrated the darkness of the night as the shepherds were tending their flock. And it's the light that penetrates our darkness. There's a reason that candle lighting services have become such a tradition in 
the Christian church, especially at Christmas time. Because Christmas is about the one who entered the world to overcome the darkness. That's what John is declaring as he opens his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was God, was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh, that's the incarnation, that's Christmas, that's what we're celebrating now. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us took on flesh. And this, this, this word who is with God and is God and has taken on flesh and has dwelt with us, this God, this Jesus is the true light that gives light to everyone. John is reminding us that Not only is Jesus the light who overcomes the darkness in the world, and there is so much darkness in the world. Like we're reminded that every time we look at the news, like every day we're just blasted with the darkness that is in the world. And John is not only reminding us that that Jesus is the light that penetrates, that overcomes the darkness that is in the world, but that Jesus is the light who overcomes the darkness in our soul. That Jesus the one who overcomes the darkness in our heart. That he's the one who brings the light of forgiveness. That he's the one that brings the light of courage. That he's the one that brings the light that penetrates the darkness of our absolute greatest fears. He's the one that brings the light that penetrates the darkness of our insecurities. The darkness of our anxieties. The darkness of all of that. This Advent season I've been... um, ending my sermons in the same way. I've been ending my sermons in a prayer that I have written for that particular message, that particular sermon, that particular week. And I've been asking people to to listen to the prayer and if the words of the prayer give voice to what their feeling in their heart to make this prayer their prayer. I've said before, it's, it's like for me what the Psalms do where I read the Psalms and the psalmist gives words to a prayer that, that give voice to things that I am feeling, things that I am going through, that the psalmist gives voice. I've been kind of inviting people to allow this prayer to give voice to what maybe is going on within their heart. And I invite you to do the same today. I've written a prayer for this message and this Christmas, Christmas 2023 at Fairfax. And as I pray this prayer, and and you can take whatever posture that you feel led to take. You can close your eyes, you can open your eyes. It doesn't matter um, whatever posture you take. But as I read this prayer, if, if the words that I've written, if they begin to be words that give voice to that which you are feeling and things that are going on in your heart, I want you to make this prayer your prayer. 
God, I confess to you today that just like it was with the shepherds, sometimes the glory of the Lord, your glory, can be frightening, can be so scary. Because your holiness reminds me of where I'm falling short. And I am tempted. I'm tempted to run away from you. I'm tempted to bury myself in my work or my hobbies or my family just to avoid dealing with what's going on inside of me, in my soul. So like the shepherds, Remind me that you are Christ the Lord. Remind me that you are the Savior of the world. Remind me that you have taken all of my sin, all of my failures, all of the areas where I have fallen short, all of the, all of the things where my life has not aligned with your best for my life. Take, take all of that. And remind me that you have died for all of that on the cross. So I say yes to you as my Savior. I say yes to you as my Lord. And God, you know my fears. You know my anxieties. You know my insecurities. And I know that They will never just magically go away. But I no longer want to carry them around and hold them tight. I no longer want to be defined by them. And so I lay them down. And I give them to you. Because I know that you are the only one who can mute my fears so they no longer have power in my life. And God, as I light this candle, I proclaim that Jesus is the light who overcomes the darkness in this world. But I also proclaim that Jesus is the one who overcomes the darkness in my life. That Jesus is the one who brings the light of forgiveness, that Jesus is the one who brings the light of courage, that Jesus is the one who brings the light that penetrates the darkness of my greatest fears, my greatest anxieties, my greatest insecurities. And I pray this in the name of of Jesus, the Christ, the Savior, the Lord. Amen. God, hear the prayers of your people today. You know our hearts. You know the things that we are dealing with. You know our journeys. You know the complexities of our lives. You know all of that. You know all the layers. You know all of the decisions. You know 
know all of that, Lord, I pray that you would hear our prayer this Christmas. That you would hear prayers of surrender. You would hear prayers of recognition. You would hear prayers of admission and confession. That you would hear our prayer today. In the name of Jesus, we pray.